Go to Matthew 12 in Psalms 139. Matthew 12 in Psalms 139. Hopefully uh, we didn't get too much in your grill last week talking about dating. Um, we heard some people afterwards saying, like, that really hurt. And it was kind of intentional. Like, that's what we wanted a little bit. But uh, one other announcement to talk about. How many guys do we have in the room? Men. Men in the room, right? Okay. If you're not, Okay, good. Uh, March 11th and 12th is our men's retreat. Uh, it's totally worth going to. It's going to be really fun. We go up into the mountains. We shoot things. We ski. We eat, like, horrific food. Uh, and it's really awesome. We have sign-up sheets outside there. And there's actually even a time, like a designated time to go shooting. And uh, I'm a gun guy myself. I enjoy it. So I'm going to go do that. Hopefully not hurt anybody, but that's the plan. So uh, if you're a guy, sign up for it. It's worth it. If money's an issue, let me know, and we can figure it out. All right? You guys at Matthew 12? I'm just killing time until we're there. We're here. Matthew 12. Here we go. Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. Verse 31. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let's look at verse 31 again. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I, I want to give you a talk tonight around the thought, love yourself. Love yourself. Let's pray. God, I pray as we just take a quick moment to look at your word, to come to understand the importance of being at peace with ourselves, loving ourselves, the idea of where we find wholeness and completion from. As we talk about that tonight, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make bright areas in our lives where we're looking for love in the wrong spots and in the wrong places. And we thank you for that really great early 2000s song, looking for love in all the wrong places. And you're great. In your name, amen. How many of you guys have a favorite love song? Anybody have a song? Right? Yeah. Brittany and I have had like four. I can't sing, but Brittany can. And so we're in the car, and I generally just ruin all of our songs, and that's why we have to move on to another one. Like, Ed, that was horrible. We have to find another song. You ruined it. So I think our current one is with John Legend and Megan Trainer. You guys know that song? Though, I, no? No one knows that song? I'm not going to sing it. Brittany can sing it. I can't sing. Uh, I play bass for a reason. My job is to stand in the back and not sing. I, I want to talk to you tonight about the idea of love yourself. And, and there's two songs that I was thinking about is how many guys know that obviously Justin Bieber, right? You should go love yourself. Right. And so there's that one side of like, Hey, you're a little too conceited. You love yourself a little too much. And then there's the other side, uh, which is the girl from pitch perfect. I think her name is Haley or whatever. Yeah. I love pitch perfect by the way. How many guys have seen pitch perfect? Anybody? Yes. That's a great guy night movie, by the way. Just kidding. So Haley, love yourself. And somewhere in between the, hey, I'm conceited, and the other one is, hey, I'm learning to really take care of myself is where I want to land tonight. This idea of love yourself. Before we can enter any type of healthy relationship, we have to fully be able to take care of love and be at peace with ourselves. And a lot of us go into relationship not in a healthy spot ourselves and then get frustrated when there's dysfunction. And it's because we haven't started from a place of wholeness. And so it's interesting to me as we read the scripture in Matthew 12, I mean, it's important to evangelism, right? I got to be able to show people love. I got to be able to love my neighbor. That word neighbor means anybody. Anyone you have a chance to meet. And the, the, there's a whole other message with the idea of evangelism. 
I think a lot of us read this scripture, though, and we think my ability to love someone else is going to change my ability to love me. And we get it backwards. It doesn't say love someone else so much that you start to take care of yourself. It says this, your ability to love yourself will dictate your ability to love someone else. Love your neighbor as yourself. I, I, growing up, I will admit I hate math. How many of you guys like math? Anybody like math? We'll pray for you at the end of service. Like, that's not okay at all. Like, I hate, like, I was on board with math when it was like one plus something. I could figure that one out, right? I could figure out, like, if you multiply it by zero, then it's going to be zero, right? Like, I could figure that out. What I, where I got off board, first of all, is when they started adding letters. Like, letters should be in alphabet soup in books. Like, it should not be in my mathematic equation. And the other thing is when I had to buy a calculator that was the most expensive thing I had bought in my life to that point, like, I'm off board with math. I'm not a huge fan of math at that point. Like, my, my desire has always been, I'll just make enough money that I can hire someone to do the math in my life, right? But math, we, we've learned that one and one equals two, right? We've learned that a half and a half equals one. But I want to kind of make the case tonight that when it comes to relationships, it's one plus one equals one. A lot of us are walking through life a half a person. And we're trying to find the other half of us. And we're using words like, I'm just trying to find someone who completes me. And we're looking for the thing that's going to make us whole in things that are going to always leave us broken. And we're trying, he's going to be the one who really helps me learn to love myself. And it's, a guy can help you raise your self-esteem, sure. But the only person who's going to make you full is God. The only one who's going to meet you halfway and fill up that other half of you is God. And a healthy relationship is when two people seeking wholeness in the right place come together and encourage each other to continue to go to God to find that wholeness. A lot of us are walking through life a half of ourselves and we're expecting and accepting love that isn't complete because we've come to believe that well, I'm not worthy of great love. And so we've been settling for the same old love over and over again because life has kind of convinced us that that's what I deserve. Life has convinced us maybe someone, some of you guys have a voice in your head that rings really loud when you're insecure. And it's one person's statement that says you're never going to be or you don't deserve. Some of us, it's our dad. Some of us, it's a coach. Some of us, it's a teacher. Some of us, it's our own voices in our head that do a great job of reminding us how much we stink. And we come to believe that I'm just a half a person who can only accept a broken love. And it's because we've never learned to truly love and take care of and value ourselves. So I want to give you five thoughts tonight about loving yourself. Five thoughts about loving yourself. First one is this. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. I, 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 uh, I lived in Centralia for a long time, like five years. And I say this every time, Centralia is where you go to the bathroom on your way to Portland, right? And so I lived there. There was a brand new Starbucks, and the youth pastor I was working with and I were really excited about it because we finally had two Starbucks. Your town has, like, made it. And the Starbucks inside the Safeway doesn't count, Right? How many of you guys are from a town where your second Starbucks was a Starbucks inside a Safeway? Yeah, I totally get that, right? So 
We had a second standalone Starbucks. We're sitting in that. It's super full. People are coming and going. I was working through some stuff in my life. I'll be honest. If who I was then ran into who I am now, I would kick my own butt. All right? I would beat myself up. I was kind of a jerk and a loser about five years ago. And that's who I am. I'm sitting in Starbucks. I'm super frustrated with myself. Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody ever had a day where you're like, I want to trade myself in and start over? And I was having one of those days. Like, man, everything, I just stink at everything. And my youth pastor is pretty aware of the stuff I'm working through. And he goes, hey, Ed, how do you think you're doing? And I started vomiting all the things I stink at, right? I'm not smart enough. I don't look good enough. I'm still struggling with this issue. I have that pride issue. I have this issue, this issue. He stops me. He goes, Ed, stop it. You're doing better than you think you are. I was like, what? what are you talking about, man? Like, I know all of these things. I can give them to you alphabetically, numerically. I know all these things that I stink at. And he goes, no, the fact that you're aware of those things is an indicator of growth. There's a lot of us that have grown a lot, and we don't see it. I'm trying to lose weight, and I hate it when people walk up to me and go, hey, man, I can tell you've lost weight in your face. I don't care about my face. Like, my wedding ring is, like, falling off my fi- Why do I have to lose weight in my fingers? Like, that is frustrating to me. Like, why can't it come off of the areas? I'm not doing crunches to lose weight in my fingers, right? That's not, that's not what I want. I'm not, not eating carbs because I'm, my face needs to look thinner. Like, that's not what I want. And a lot of us have these things in our lives where we have this end goal that we're pushing really, really hard for. And because we haven't tackled that mountain yet, we haven't noticed how far we've come already. You're doing better than you think you are. A lot of us, the fact that we can even be aware of some of the issues we stink at is an indicator that we've dealt with a lot of stuff already. Some of us, we are just kind of steeped in dysfunction. A lot of us are. We all are steeped in dysfunction. And the fact that we're like, remember from Shrek, There's layers like an onion, right? The fact that slowly but slowly we're peeling off layers of the onion is an indicator that we're making growth, that we're growing and we're changing. I want to ask, learn to ask yourself this question. Ask yourself this question. How am I trending? How am I trending? Ask yourself this question. Am I headed in the right direction? Am I trending in the right direction? Am I slipping backwards? Am I making mistakes? Am I going back to who I was? Or am I trending forward? Here's another great question to ask yourself. What are the things that used to take me out that don't defeat me anymore? What are the things that used to defeat me that don't defeat me anymore? That's an indicator of growth. It's an indicator that things are changing. It's an indicator that, okay, at least I'm headed in the right direction. And please, I understand having goals. I understand wanting to tackle this thing that you're aware that you stink at. I get that. I really do. But never underestimate the journey you have to go on to get you in enough shape to go over the mountain. A lot of us want to just be on the other side of the mountain. And if we face the mountain right now, it would defeat us because we haven't stripped off enough weight. We haven't gotten in good enough shape to actually scale the mountain. And so the process you're in right now is preparing you to take on the thing that you know you want to take on. But ask yourself, am I trending and am I being defeated by things that used to defeat me?
or am I defeating things that used to defeat me? Give yourself a break. Number two, stop running from your issues. Number one, give yourself a break. Number two, stop running from your issues. A lot of us, actually all of us, because we're all human, all of us do a great job. We naturally hide the things we know we stink at. We naturally hide the gross, right? Like when your mom would tell you, hey, you need to clean your room. First of all, your room was never as dirty in your mind as it actually was, right? How many guys had that like absolutely scary moment when you ran into your room because your mom got back and it was supposed to be clean already. And then you look at it and it's like, oh my God, this is horrible, right? Like we all have like girls and guys rooms are different too. Like guys, there's like science experiments just like under their bed because they forgot. You remember like, you remember when you would have Fruit Loops and if the Fruit Loops sat in the milk long enough, the milk became the color of the Fruit Loops, right? And the Fruit Loops were just brownish, right? Or there's like that pizza box from like seven days ago. You get off work and you're like, I'm starving, Little Caesars, and you forget that it's there. And now everything is just kind of one big cardboard, like the box and the pizza are the same texture. You know what I mean? Like that's a guy's room. And then guys think I can just bathe it in Axe and no one's going to notice. It's not, it's not like, that's not how it works, right? And then girls, you have your clothes and most of your best friend's clothes just kind of hanging from like the night where you all came over, decided to get dressed up and then stayed in and watched Gilmore Girls. Like that's not like, oh, we're, Becky, we're going to go out tonight. We're going to go out tonight. Bring your best clothes. I just want to eat ice cream and watch Gilmore Girls, right? And then you show up like the next day wearing your friend's shirt and they're upset and it's like we left it at my house. So it's mine now and that's how it works, right? It's like same with Xbox controllers for guys. Like you left it here, it's mine now, it's mine, right? And so, but it's different. And, and you run into your room, you're scared because your parents told you your room needs to be clean. What do you immediately do? You start shoving stuff in your closet, under your bed. You pull your cover down so that way you have extra coverage for the bottom of your bed, right? Shove things in doors, shove things in the closet. The closet, as long, I remember growing up, if you could see the carpet in my bedroom, my room was clean, right? It is therefore clean. Stuff is off of the ground. And then your parents walk up, let me see your room, is it clean? And it, you say, there's nothing to see here, right? It's clean, don't worry about it. And you kind of open the door a little bit so they can see that the carpet is clean. My room is clean. But this is the thing we do with our lives. We go through the exact same process emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We shove stuff into the dark, into the deep recesses of our soul and our spirit and our heart hoping that we can convince people that there's nothing to see here. And then we lay down to go to bed at night, and as soon as our head hits the pillow, the darkness starts to haunt us, right? The stuff that we hope that no one ever knows that we've done or that we've thought or that we believe about ourselves starts to kind of creep in in the darkness. At some point, the Axe body spray wears off, and the gross starts to smell. And we do a great job of convincing ourselves that no one else sees it, right? No one knows that I have that issue. No one knows that I'm so insecure that I covered in pride. No, no, they see it. No one knows that I absolutely hate myself. No, no, we, we see it. And we try to run and hide our issues. And I find solace in the gospel 
And, and in Second Corinthians, Paul is writing about this, and he says, I had this issue, this thorn in my flesh. In Second Corinthians 12, I had this issue that was plaguing me, and I kept asking God to take it. And God said, no, no, I'm not going to take it from you. It's important. And Paul says, why? And then he jumps in and he says this. And God said to my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And Paul's response to that is most gladly, therefore, I boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can dwell in me. Therefore, I'm content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We run from the things we should be embracing because it's a reminder that God's grace is working in our lives. The things that haunt you at night, the things that haunt you when you're insecure, God knows about them. He knows they're there. I'm not saying he sent them. I'm not saying it's a messenger of him, but it can be a tool to remind us that if I'm going to overcome this, I have to have God in my corner. I have to be engaging God. It's not something we should be ashamed of. It's something we should bring out into the open and deal with. Now, I'm not saying broadcast to everybody. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying pick a couple people and be honest. I'm really struggling with this. I've got to be honest. It's kicking my butt right now. And it's haunting me at night. And it's haunting me when I'm insecure. And it's a really big issue for me. I've been hiding it for years. James says, confess your sins one to another so that you will be healed. The first step to not running from your issues is facing them, admitting they're there. A lot of us don't admit we have issues and then we get frustrated that we can't make them go away. You're not going to move something that you can't put your hands on. When we say, hey, I struggle with, I have an issue with, this haunts me in my past, this is something that keeps chasing me. When we say that it's there, people can help you put your hands on it and then give it to God and watch his grace be sufficient. All right, so number one, give yourself a break. Number two, stop running from your issues. Number three, change your confession. Change your confession. There's two places you need to change your confession. The first one is your mind, and the second one is your mouth. First one is your mind. The second one is your mouth. I, I personally, I'll be honest, I really, really struggle with this. I've spent most of my life being really good at beating myself up in my head. I'm really good at it. I'll admit it. Thank God for Brittany, who's an encourager. I, I need that. I need that in my wife, and I'm so thankful I have it. But this is a realization I came to a while ago. I was buying into the lies in my head because I wasn't replacing them with truth. Romans 10 puts it this way. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10:17 says this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This is why reading your Bible is important. I'm not going to get on a soapbox and talk about devotions, but I am going to beg you. Is there a chance that the reason you beat yourself up in your head so much is because you don't have truth to replace it with? Is it a chance if faith comes by hearing, then we can tear down our faith by hearing as well? If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then not only should we know what truth to tell ourselves we should be reciting it often i'm thankful for scriptures like ephesians 2 you are god's workmanship created for good works jeremiah 20, uh, 9, 
Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I'm thankful for Romans 8, that God is an intercessor sitting at the right hand of God praying for us. I'm thankful for Psalms 139. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm thankful for truth that I can replace lies with. And not only that, you need to watch what's in your head. You've got to watch what comes out of your mouth. You really do. I, I struggle with this too. Most people who do life with me know I struggle at taking compliments. I really, I really suck at it. And, and I'm sorry if I have turned down a compliment from you before. I apologize. But when people come to me and say, hey, this is who you are, my natural response to, is, no, nah, no, nah, that's not. It's not who I am. And I remember, I think it was Brittany. I, I was doing that one day. I was beating myself up. I'm stupid. I stink at this. I can't figure it out. And Brittany says, no, Ed, this is who you are. That not only is that not who you are, this is who I know you to be. Replacing the lie with truth. Friends, if we are going to be a good friend, don't just stop the complaining of your friend. Replace it with truth. When, When your friend is saying, hey, I stink, it's over, I can't figure it out, I would encourage you, not only would you say, hey, stop it. But hey, no, this is the truth. God has a plan and purpose. It's going to work out. God works everything together for good. Hey, no, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're beautiful. Stop saying that about yourself. We have to help each other in this fight to change the confession in our head and from our mouth. And by the way, if you're in a relationship right now and you're not getting that, I would encourage you to consider the validity of your relationship. That idea of complimenting each other means that we're going to maximize each other's strengths and help, help cover each other's weakness. So if you have someone who needs encouraging, encourage them, especially girls to guys, honestly. Girls, encourage guys. And guys, put value into your girl, right? Girls need to know they're cherished. Guys need to know they're honored. That's a freebie. Write that down. It'll make your relationship work right there. Girls need to know they're cherished. Guys need to know they're honored. And if you can give that to the person you're in a relationship with, do it every single time. All right? Watch your confession. Number four. We're almost done. Number four. Ask yourself these questions before you start dating. Ask yourself these questions before you start dating. Number one is this. How am I trending? Dating is not an indicator of growth. Honestly, in our age, more often than not, dating is an indicator that we got distracted, not that we were growing. I cannot tell you how many people are seeing a lot of momentum and a lot of growth and making great decisions and learning to love themselves and be at peace with themselves. And they're, it's funny, right? We make this like, I'm not going to date. I'm just going to work on me. Oh, hey, you're cute. Like, same, same conversation. No, I'm going to focus on me right now. No, you're not, right? We, we have to take the time when we say it to really mean it. Dating is not an indicator of growth. Trending and momentum is an indicator of that. And so we have to be willing to, for a season, for a time in our lives, to say, I'm going to lay down the option of dating because I don't have enough love in me to overflow to someone else. I have to learn to take care of myself love myself emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, 
I have to take care of me first. And when I have an overflow, then I'm going to turn around and offer it to someone else. Next question. What's the confession in my head and my mouth? What's the confession in my head and my mouth? Because if the confession is dominantly negative and you want to date, there's a good chance that you are dating, believing that they are going to change the confession of yourself. And it's not going to work that way. The last one is this. The person I'm interested in dating, am I attracted to their strength or their dysfunction? Am I attracted to the strength in them? My strength is attracted to their strength. And together we're going to accelerate momentum and growth. Or am I distracted by the fact that my dysfunction matches their dysfunction? Because there's a big difference. That's the difference between being whole and being apart. If my dysfunction is attracted to their dysfunction, we're just going to get each other stuck and it's going to get messy. But if my strength, my wholeness, my security in myself, my peace within myself is attracted to someone else's peace and wholeness, that's when we begin to see momentum. So ask yourselves those questions. Here's the last one. Go to Psalms 139. I I, I think the most equivocal part, the main thing, the most important point tonight when it comes to loving yourself is you need to realize that God is in your corner. That God knows where you're at and that God is in your corner. I love Psalms 139. Uh, We'll jump in in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me. When it was it, when as yet there was not one of them. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. What's the scripture saying? Before your dad made a move on your mom. Before he was like, hey, Let's make this thing official. Before they had a magic moment in the back of a car somewhere or wherever, right? Before that happened. Get that image out of your head. I'm sorry. Before that happened. Before that happened. God knew you and had a plan for you. But before that happened, God had taken time designing you. Girls, I want to encourage you in this. Your definition of beauty should never come from what someone else defines for you. Some, some of you guys really struggle with, well, no one's ever called me beautiful. Well, yes, God, God has already. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you were even created, before you existed, before you took your first breath, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And so the doubt, whether it was a father who didn't tell you it or whether it's a boyfriend who sent you packing, what really doesn't matter. Because your definition, fundamentally, your wholeness, your peace within yourself doesn't come from them. It comes from truth like this that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Guys, I find solace in the scripture because of this. It says that 
My days were laid out before it even lived a single one of them. Guys, we struggle with purpose, right? We struggle with feeling like failures. We struggle with wanting to prove that we can do it. Most guys have some man somewhere who told them, no, you're not going to amount to anything. I still remember the car ride. I'd made the decision to move to Centralia. I was riding with a friend from Portland. He told me, Ed, you're going to move there for six months, quit, and move back. That's what you do. I spent a whole lot of time trying to prove him wrong. And it tore me up on the inside. It haunted me at night. Because I just could not get myself over that hump. Scriptures like this, his, he does not dictate my purpose. That voice in your head doesn't dictate that you were fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose. The voice in your head should never, ever trump what it says in verse 17. That if I was to count the great things that God says towards me, it would outnumber the sand. I would encourage you today. If you have a repeating phrase in your head, you're worthless. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. Grab a hold of scripture like this. Replace the lie with the truth. Go to Romans 8. This will be our last scripture. This might be my favorite chunk of scripture in the Bible. In Romans 8, it says this. Start in verse 31. We're going to read a chunk of it. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for you. How will he not also with him freely give you all things? Verse 33. Who will bring a charge against God elect? God's elect. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised and who was at the right hand of God and who intercedes for us. Verse 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, when all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus. I love this chunk of scripture. It says a couple things. First, no one has the right to speak poorly about you. No one has the right to say that it's final. No one has the right to say you failed. No one has the right to say that you're ugly. No one has the right to say that you don't have purpose. Because it's only God who has that right. Why? Because God's the one who created us. If God created us, he's the only one who has the right to say it's finished for you. And if God's the only one who has the right to say that, then we can find hope in the fact that it says, instead of saying that, he sits at the right hand of God. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He purchased you. And when you mess up, and when that thing is running through your head, and when you're beating yourself up, what he's saying, what Jesus is saying to God, is I purchased that. I bought it already. Now that's not the thing that's going to wipe him out, because I already took care of it. And then it goes on to say, not only 
is what's in our head and what people have said has no right to condemn us. Not only that, but nothing we've done has the right to take away the love of God. Some of us have been chasing the same old love for a long time because we believe that we don't deserve a better one. And for most of us, that's pretty closely tied to things that we've done. And a mistake that we made in a relationship a long time ago or something someone said to us that made us behave a certain way. So what I love about Jesus is none of that really matters. Why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes for a second? We're going to sing a song in a second. We're going to worship in just a minute. And then we'll wrap up after that. But I want you to take a second and ask the question, do I really love myself? How am I doing with taking care of myself? See, because when we don't love ourselves, it doesn't show in the way we live. We turn to addiction and we turn to struggle and we keep running back to things. It's because we don't believe we deserve any better. Some of us, some guys in this room, your lust issue is pretty directly related to the fact that you don't value yourself yet. Some of the girls in this room, the boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend is pretty closely related to the fact that you don't really deserve, think you deserve much better. Ask yourself this question. What, what is in my head and my mouth? What's my confession about me? bow your heads just one more time. Close your eyes. I, I don't want to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything. I do want to pray for you. It, if this thought, if this talk hit you anywhere, man, there's really something, some area, something, somewhere, the, the repeating thing in my head where, where I've become convinced that I don't deserve better, where I'm having a hard time loving myself. Could you put your hand on your heart. No one's looking around and I'm not going to call you forward or anything like that. Cool. Thanks. Thanks guys. 
Thanks. Just put your hand on your heart. No one's looking. Don't worry about it. Cool. God, we, we thank you. We thank you, God, that our, our definition, our value, our purpose doesn't come from anywhere but what you have already said about us. God, that you've already said that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you've already said that you bought us with the price, that we were created for good works, that you're proud of us, that you have a plan and purpose for us. God, I, I pray as the confession in our head and our mouth turns sour as it always does, God, I pray that we do a good job replacing the lies with truth. God, that instead of allowing our faith to be torn apart, we build it by getting acquainted with your word and the promises for us that are in there. God, I pray for those of us who are in relationships that are starting to realize, wow, we, uh, we're kind of half people trying to complete each other. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom in how to deal with that and people who can walk through that with us. I pray those of us who are just really lonely and just really want to know that someone cares, really just want to feel wanted. And I pray that we would take the time and go on the journey of finding that in you first. So that way, when we enter into relationship, we're bringing strength instead of dysfunction. We're bringing wholeness and peace instead of struggle and strife. And we thank you, God, that there is a way that we can do this relationship thing where we don't have to accept the same old love, but we can really find a love in relationship that leads to a great marriage that builds a great life. And we thank you for that. Your name. Amen. Hey, you know, a lot of people responded to that said that they had some area that they realized and there's an issue with. And, and I want to encourage you, um, what it says in James is true. Confess your issues, your sins, one to another so that you can be healed. And we don't do altar calls really here, but we love talking to people. And if you're feeling lonely tonight, if you feel like you're on an island with one of those issues that are bugging you, then we got a team here that would totally be willing to talk to you about it and pray with you about it and encourage you. And just so you know that someone's in your corner, I mean, it's so important. I, I'm so thankful that I have my wife, obviously, but I'm thankful that I have friends and family that are in my corner and know what I'm walking through and are able to encourage me. And if you need that tonight, that's why we do this. You know, we don't do it so I can come up and talk for a long time and try to sound funny. Like, that's not why we do it. We do it so that we can be in your corner so that you know that there's people that know your name and know your story and can encourage you. So if you need that tonight, then we want to offer that. And so at the end, when we dismiss in just a minute, we have candy out there. Um, so if you want to go out and just hang out and talk, play games, eat candy, all that, head out there. But if you want to talk to someone about what's going on, then stay in here and we'll come find you and have a conversation with you. All right. Sound good. Thanks for coming tonight. We'll see you next week.